Good morning, Canopy. Welcome to the Proctor Backyard. Today's sermon from Psalm 31 will be a team effort. Got a whole host of birds weighing in and two dogs that are looking to escape from my house to bark at those birds. So we'll see how this goes. But I'm excited to be opening up God's Word with you today as we're in this series called Freedom in the Wilderness. Now before we go there, I have a special assignment for you. And this has to be quick. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, but I need you to find an object, something that was once useful, but now has become useless. Something that would be worthy of being put in the trash, maybe it's already in the trash, or stuffed if you're a proctor in every corner of the garage. Uh, but go find that thing, something that you know once worked or had its place or got used a lot that now because it's broken or old or just you're over it is worthy of being put in the trash. Go find that thing right now. And I'm just going to sit here awkwardly and listen to birds and listen to the faint sound of cars on Adams, which I sometimes pretend is the crashing waves of the Pacific. Almost sounds like that. All right. Time's almost up. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay. Hopefully you got that. Set that aside. That'll come into play later. So Psalm 31. You know, this could start feeling like a psalm series. Again, we're in this series, Freedom in the Wilderness, which is really looking at ways God not only leads his people through the wilderness, but works on his people. He does his best work in his people in times of disorientation, in times of dependence, in times where it requires him to show up. And hopefully we're discovering that. Certainly that's been the story of his people through generations. But what's interesting is the Psalms capture a lot of these moments through journals. Many of the Psalms are journals. They're prayers, they're songs, but they're also journal entries that are confessions of those who have gone before us into these times of uncertainty and anxiety and disorientation. In fact, about a third of all the Psalms are what are called Psalms of Lament. They're cries for help that have echoed from generation to generation and seem to ring true now in this season we're in, maybe than ever before in my lifetime. One of Josh's points last week from Psalm 27 was that in these times we are free to bring ourselves before God. And when I say ourselves, our honest, desperate, unedited selves before God. The famous theologian Charles Spurgeon once noted that this song we're going to dive into, Psalm 31, which was assumed to be written by David, was specifically given to the director of music, which is what it says in my Bible. If you look under your Bible, Psalm 31, likely it says for the director of music. And Charles Spurgeon says that this is a death blow to the notion that only praise can or should be sung by the people of God to God. Part of our freedom in the wilderness means that we can not only sing God is good and God is great and thank you for saving us, but God, where are you? What are you up to? These are times for lament, for complaint, for voicing fear, or even frustration to God as well. Songs 
are not only for the high mountains, but we have songs for the dark valleys. And this is certainly what David taught us in his life showcases. He had epic mountaintop moments, but he also had some really, really dark valleys. And we're not sure exactly what circumstance this Psalm 31 is written out of. It's David seemingly on the run, could have been on the run as a young man from King Saul, who wanted to to murder him because he was a threat to the throne. But more likely, it's old King David, who is on the throne, but now is on the run from his son Absalom, who has made it his mission to take his father's throne by taking his father down. So Psalm 31 is telling a bit of this story of David's heart in this time of disorientation, of of being on the run. And it has a very interesting arc because it starts in a place of trust. It begins by saying, the Lord is my refuge. He is my safety. He is my security. But then it swings to distrust, desperation. We'll discover that part. And then it lands back in trust. So it's sort of back and forth. And for me, I would imagine for many of you, this is life. This is about every week, sometimes every day, occasionally every hour of, Lord, you've got this. Wait a minute, Lord, do you have this? Okay, I think you've got this. And just see this back and forth freedom that David has in this one psalm in his relationship with God. He uses metaphors early that our God is rock and refuge and guide. And he actually describes God as someone who helps him through hidden traps And early on, he acts on this trust by saying, I'm putting my life in your hands. Verse 5 of chapter 31 says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And by spirit, it's not just his thoughts or soul or kind of ghostly part of him. It's, It's all of him. What he's saying is, Into your hands I put all of me, Lord. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. And in calling God faithful, he actually names him El Amet, God of truth. So he's really appealing for God to be true to his name. Be the God of truth. Be strong. Be unwavering. Be faithful to me. But then, as he calls out what's true about God, he brings what's true about himself. And he gets really real. And he starts describing how his eyes are, are weak with sorrow. He's, he's been crying. He's probably been awake at nights watching the the cave entrance, waiting for enemies to to crash in. His bones are weak too. He's aching from inside. And he's the object of contempt and dread to his enemies. Not only his enemies, even his friends. He's been betrayed. He's been forgotten. It's as if he's dead. He's described in the psalm as a corpse just lying in an open grave. Now again, this is the most powerful man of his time, of his generation on the planet probably in this moment but now he's old he's scared and he's on the run from his own son and then he offers this metaphor and the psalms are full of powerful metaphors but this one's striking he describes himself as a piece of broken pottery a broken bowl or cup that that because it's broken can no longer fulfill its purpose it's useless now it's something to be discarded because it's no longer what it once was And that's how David feels about this moment of his life. His circumstances have rendered him useless. He's, in his words, trash-worthy. I don't know about you, but I've lived enough life 
to have felt this way in certain seasons of life. Not every season, but man, there have been times when things I've worked for have unraveled and status and position I thought I'd achieved begins to crumble. Confidence I once had is stolen. Even when people that I thought were close to me have seemed like they betrayed me or at least feel distant from me. And I'm old enough to experience this in times before COVID, but man, I see this everywhere right now. I see it in my life. I see it in the lives of others. These feelings are stirred not only of provision of, Lord, are we going to have enough, but position. Am I going to be enough? What use am I of some of the things I thought made me useful are gone? If moments I lead or meetings or skill sets or wins that have made me feel important are no longer in play. And this will look different for each of us, you know, whether it's in the marketplace or in parenting. I was for some reason this morning thinking of our canopy kids, um, and I'm sorry, youth, our youth, particularly because we have scholars and athletes and actors and artists and in this particularly the end of the school year is the time when you are affirmed and you have a chance to shine and all those platforms have been pretty much taken away what do we do now and the word of this cultural moment which i loved at first but now i'm getting really tired of is the word pivot well what we do is we pivot everybody's pivoting and there's a certain adrenaline rush of we can adapt. We can, we can make it. We can make it even better than before, which for me personally usually means I can find a way. I can fix this. I'm still important. I'm still worth paying attention to or following. But it seems for more and more people as reality is really setting in, pivoting is giving way to lamenting. Just being sad being confused, even being angry in this time of disorientation. And in a strange way, I think that's right where God wants us. It reminds us of how much we need Him to lead, to protect, to provide, to deliver, to save us, to be our God. And this is David's prayer. As he describes in this moment, feeling like something useless and helpless, he then puts his desperate uselessness and helplessness into the hands of God. Verse 14 and 15 say, But I trust in you, Lord. I say, listen, you are my God. I'm not my own God. I'm not looking for any leader, any politician, any doctor to have the answer. My times are in your hands. In doing this, he is saying, I release this moment and all the questions attached to it to you, Lord. The agenda, the outcomes I want to see happen, my times are in your hands. And this is a powerful prayer. It's even more powerful as worship. David was a really high capacity guy. He led armies of thousands. He conquered kingdoms, but he knew when to wave the white flag and he knew which direction to wave it in. And he's waving it to God. But what's amazing is there's someone infinitely more high capacity than David, related to David, and that many years later prayed the same prayer. You see, this was the prayer of Jesus in his darkest, most desperate, and in the eyes of the world, most wasted, nonsensical moment. 
you know, the long-awaited king of the Jews, the Messiah, who they've been waiting to come and overthrow Rome but take over the world, he allows himself to be powerless, to be tortured and killed as an innocent man? What, what's the sense of that? We know that there's a bigger story in the making. We celebrated that in really cool fashion not long ago at our drive-in Easter service. But in this moment, in this time, it doesn't make Jesus any less sad, any less disoriented, any less desperate or anxious. From Gethsemane to the cross, we see that he is suffering. And at the end, the words he cries, he takes right out of the mouth of David. Psalm 31, we already read them in verse 5. He says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Many of this, many of us already recognize this is the prayer of Jesus. The first time we read it, you, you remember these words. It's his last cry from his darkest moment on the cross where all he has is broken pieces, a broken body, broken trust with friends who said they stay by him, but they've betrayed him, a broken connection with the Father with whom he'd experienced intimacy for all eternity past, perfect union now somehow severed, which leads him to cry out, Father, why have you forsaken me? But those aren't his last words. Even in the midst of saying, God, where are you? Why aren't you stopping this? Why aren't you making a way? Why do you seem so far away? Those thoughts, the, the humanity of Jesus is calling those thoughts to the forefront. Still, he chooses to place this time, the most important time of all time in the hands of God. And praise the prayer of David saying, it's in your hands, God. And his surrender has given us the freedom to bring that same surrender to God. Hebrews says that his broken body made a way for us to come in with confidence, with not just our edited, cleaned up Sunday morning selves, but our raw, confused, anxious, lamenting selves and put our times into the hands of God. So we're gonna do that right now. And earlier I'd ask you to go look for something that was ready to be discarded. Maybe it's already in the trash. It's been, for whatever reason, deemed useless, out of date, broken. You know, for David, his symbol was a broken piece of pottery that used to be a bowl or a cup that could no longer be used. Whatever it is for you, you know, for me, it's actually, ironically, a coronavirus mask. This is certainly a symbol of this season, but Mine is really at the point of no return. It's falling apart. I tried to rescue it and fix it, tied it in a different place. It's getting dirty. And so yesterday, this got upgraded. I splurged and bought a cool black cloth one, and this is gone. But what this represents, and whatever you're holding represents, are dreams that feel like they're about gone. Uh, places or positions we've held that feel like they're slipping away. Confidence we've placed in the future that's beginning to erode. Whatever the fears and anxieties of this season represent for you, the unknown, to not try to fix them or not try to just escape from them, but to release them to God is the path of worship. It's the path of David, it's the way of Jesus. And we're actually gonna claim the prayer of David and Jesus. It's so simple, but so powerful. 
And then Peter's going to lead us out with a prayer set to music that talks about placing our life in the hands of God. But let's start with these simple words, these times in your hands. These times in your hands. Two simple phrases. And we're going to make this a breath prayer, which means physically we breathe it in, we breathe it out. And with this object in hand, representing the fears, the uncertainties we carry about the next, we're going to release it to God and say, breathe in these times and breathe out in your hands and we lay it down. Let's do that one more time. Breathe in these times and breathe out your hands and we lay it down. Amen.